Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. Okay, Amy. I think after last week's episode, listeners are going to think I'm doing this because of the Fashion Week episode, but I was already working on this before you decided to do Fashion Week. It just so happens that they go together very well. So this week, we are going to talk about department stores. Oh, that's like an oldie but a goodie. I mean, I know there are still department stores, but it feels very like 1990s Christmas to me. We will talk about Christmas, yes. Okay. I did not know what I was getting into when I started to do department stores. So we're going to talk about some fun history of the first department stores and then some more well-known ones or ones that are well-known to me. But really, this is an absolutely huge topic. I had no idea the... Breadth. Yeah. I just had no idea the scale of department stores. And also, some... Places and I'm not saying that it's not technically correct, but it's not what I mean when I say department stores because some places include things like Kohl's, Target, technically department stores, right? They have different departments, multiple departments, and we'll get into the definition of a department store. But I'm talking about stores like Neiman Marcus, Nordstrom, Macy, Bloomingdale's. When I say department stores, got it. The anchor store at a mall is what I'm thinking of. There you go. That's a great definition. But that is not the definition because department stores did not start in malls. Where did they They were start? just their own freestanding buildings. So the official definition of a department store is a retail establishment offering a wide range of consumer goods in different areas of the store, each area or department specializing in a different product category. In modern major cities, department stores made a dramatic appearance in the middle of the 19th century and permanently reshaped shopping habits and the definition of service and luxury. Mm. So that's there's your Wikipedia definition. Very official. I like it. Yes. So departments often include clothing, cosmetics, do-it-yourself, furniture, gardening, hardware, home appliances, housewares, paint, sporting goods, toiletries, toys. Some have food, books, jewelry, electronics, stationery, photography equipment, baby products, pet products, a lot of different types of department stores. Where did you get that list? Probably also from Wikipedia, but think of stores like Sears that has a whole hardware department. It's a department store. Does like Home Depot count then? Because they have a garden section and like a decoration section and tool section. No, Home Depot is a hardware store, but Sears is a, would be a department store because they, even though they do have a big hardware section, they have a clothing department. Mm. They have jewelry, home furnishings, you know, things like that. Read the list again. I'm not gonna. Read I'm the kidding. List again. <laughs> okay, keep going. I'm not reading the whole list again. Everybody, you're welcome. So the first department store was the Grand Fashionable Magazine owned by Harding Howell and Company in St. James, London, and it opened in 1796. Wow, that's a long time ago. Also, what a very fabulous name. I know, the Grand Fashionable Magazine. It had four departments, furs and fans. (laughs) 
I've been practicing this word, and now I'm not going to be able to say it. Haberdashery? Haberdashery? Haberdashery. Haberdashery? Dang it, I've been practicing. I'm not sure that I'm saying it right, but I do feel like it's something in that vein. It is. In the United States, that typically means men's clothing, but what it means in London in this time period is sewing materials like buttons, zippers, notions, things like that. To make clothing. The third department is jewelry and clocks. And then the fourth department was hats. It was a store just for women. All of these things were just for women. Fans and furs, materials to make dresses, hats and jewelry. And clocks. And clocks. Jewelry and clocks were one department, and then hats was the last department. Do you think clocks is like watches? I mean, probably all clocks, but... Probably included all of it, yeah. Hmm. Thanks to the Industrial Revolution, there was a newly affluent middle class of women that could shop at department stores. Oh, yeah. They were like, come here, ladies, spend your money. Yeah. So they started to get really popular. And then, do you know what they did? What? They hosted fashion shows. Parades. They sent parades out or women to just go walk through salons. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Full circle. You're right. These are all eerily connected. I know, but I did not plan this. I've been working on this since I finished the 75th hour. Let's move over to the United States. The first department store was Arnold Constable, which was founded in 1825 in New York City. And a lot of these original ones are not the Grand Fashionable Magazine, but the next few I'm going to talk to are very original. And the gentlemen just named them after their, themselves. So what's like this one called? Arnold Constable? was Arnold Constable, was founded by Arnold Constable in 1825 in New York City. Not as great as the Grand Old Opry or Grand Fashionable Magazine. Oh. <laughs> Grand Old Opry, that's from country music, Amy. Back, back, way, way back. Way, way back. Arnold Constable was one of the first stores to issue charge bills of credit to its customers each month. The store would outgrow itself several times and would move around New York City before going bankrupt in 1975. So it was around a long time, over 100 years. That's pretty forward thinking to offer credit to your customers. And at one point, so from what I was reading, it seems at one point it was kind of combined with the next store I'm going to talk about. And... There was a lot of confusion when reading information between these two stores, but I think I have it pretty sorted out. If not, please feel free to correct me if anyone is more knowledgeable on department stores than me, <laughs> even though I am an expert. So the next store we're going to talk about is A.T. Stewart & Co., started by Alexander Turney Stewart, so again, very original name, and was established in 1846. A.T. Stewart & Co. is notable because of a five-story white marble palace known as the Marble House that sits at 280 Broadway in New York City and takes up a whole block. Wow. The building is now a National Historic Landmark and a New York City designated landmark. Wow. So it's very fancy. Very official. Also a whole block. That's a lot of real estate. Though now I'm doubting myself and I'm mixing up. So A.C. Stewart did create the Marble Palace, but then they grew into an even bigger location, and maybe that one was the one that was a whole block. So, either very way, impressive. It is 280 Broadway, that is the National Historic Landmark. Okay. And just real quick, we're going to take a little detour and talk about National Historic Landmarks. Mm. 
So as you can imagine, a historic landmark is a building, district, object, site, or structure that has officially been recognized by the U.S. government for its outstanding historical significance. There are only about 2,500 out of 90,000 places that are listed in the National Historic Register. So there's the National Historic Register. That's about 90,000. Only 2,500 of those are National Historic Landmarks. Got it. So you can be counted as part of like a historical movement, but these are ones recognized at landmark status. By the U.S. government. Very official. To be a National Historic Landmark, you have to meet the following criteria. You have to be a site where events of national historical significance have occurred, a place where prominent persons lived or worked, icons of ideals that shaped the nation, outstanding examples of design or construction, and I'm guessing this is the one that 280 Broadway fits into, Mm. a place characterizing a way of life, or an archaeological site that is able to yield information. So those, you have to fit one of those criteria to be a National Historic Landmark. Seems reasonable. So a couple quick fun facts, then we'll get back to A.T. Stewart and Co. So fun fact one, all 50 states and the District of Columbia have National Historic Landmarks, but Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and New York account for almost 25% of them. So of the 2,500, those three states have 25%. Which kind of makes sense, though, because think of how much development Original took American play- history Thank happened you. there. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. So Philadelphia, Boston, and New York, those three cities combined have more National Historic Landmarks than 40 of the 50 states. Wow. Again, think of the start of the U.S., and that makes sense. Yes. Okay, one last fun fact. About half of the National Historic Landmarks are privately owned. Wow, that's shocking. I would have guessed you couldn't do that. I didn't dig too much deeper since we're talking about department stores and not National Historic Landmarks. This is a twofer. (laughs) Just a little bonus material for you here. Okay, back to A.T. Stewart & Co. So the structure of the building that they built allowed for large glass windows, which were used for window displays. So they've kind of started this window display thing that we know is going to be very popular. Stewart believed the key to success was to offer wholesale prices and undercut the competition. Before they moved into the Marble Palace, when they first opened the store, he would place cases full of merchandise along the sidewalk in front of the store as a way of advertising the establishment. He thought that the, this is a quote, messy clutter in front of the store and pushing crowds advertised his business. Uh, I disagree with that, but noting that it was open and had unique goods probably helped. Messy clutter is not usually a good sales tactic. His other innovations included buying from manufacturers for cash in large quantities, keeping his markup small and prices low, truthful presentation of his merchandise, the one price policy, so there was no haggling, there was a set price. Mm, Which was, I guess, probably unique for that period of time. Right. Simple merchandise returns and a cash refund policy. Selling for cash and not credit. He also provided worldwide quality merchandise. And he would have free services for customers such as waiting rooms and free delivery. Wow. That's a pretty well-oiled operation. Or a pretty, you know what I mean, pretty well thought out. So a few more things about A.T. Stewart. Honestly, this guy could be his own episode. He was very interesting 
if I do a part two, it'll be just on him. There you go. We'll see. We'll see. So he essentially started the mail order business. Beginning in 1868, Stewart began receiving letters from women in rural parts of the United States requesting his merchandise. He would reply to these letters, send the orders, and he would cover the cost for postage. And then once they received their orders, the women would send back payment. Seeing the potential for mail order business, by 1876, Stewart had hired 20 clerks to read, respond, and mail out orders. Wow, the original Amazon. That year, he profited over $500,000 from the mailing business alone. Seward's mail order business, efficiency, convenience, and profits gained so much attention from all over the country that other famous businessmen such as Sears, Montgomery Ward, and Spiegel's followed in his footsteps. Okay, so I have a very important question for you. How much is 500000 in today's money? I did not look it up. What year was it? Let's see, 1876. All right, we need to take a momentary pause. Which would be a lot faster when you listen back to this episode, because I will edit it beautifully. Half a million in 1876 is how much today? Okay, we're back. I know that you guys don't have the actual time period, but I have Googled and not told Allie the answer, as I have made that mistake before. So Allie. 500,000 in 1876 is equivalent to what in today's purchasing power? 46.7 million. No, but you're way more reasonable guesses than I typically am in this scenario. $13,839,766 and 36 cents. Wow. Over 13 million. That is impressive. That is impressive. Okay, onward. I'm so proud of myself. Good job, Amy. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk about Marshall Fields and Company. Oh, I remember Marshall Fields. I know. So they were established in 1852, and they were the premier department store on the busiest street in the Midwest. Do you want to guess what street it is? Detroit. No, State Street in Chicago. No, Detroit is also not a street. <laughs> Detroit, that's a city. The whole city. I should have guessed Chicago. That I mean, there makes might be sense. a Detroit street. I'm sure yeah, there is. But I mean, honestly, a better guess would have been like Michigan Avenue, Grand River Avenue. I should have gone with like Main Street, but it's too late. We're here now. Second Street is the most popular street in the United States. I learned that from someone. Me. I know. I'm kidding. Oh, okay. rude. So it stood out. This Okay, back to Marshall Field. It stood out for its exceptional customer service and offered the first bridal registry. They were also the first to introduce the personal shopper, and they provided that service without a charge. Wow. I would love to have a personal shopper. And fun fact, this one my daughter would love. They were the first store to use escalators. Just kidding. Escalators. I was going to say cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Don't. That's how my toddler says escalators. escalators. Escalators are her favorite. We rode the escalator three times this weekend. And then her Nana had to take her three more times. Right. We got it. Like, I keep it well-rounded, you know? Yeah. And another fun fact, Marshall Fields has a lot of fun facts. They do have cookies. They used to sell cookies there. Oh, for sure. And I remember one of the girls I used to babysit for loved their little pink chocolates. <gasps> yes. Yes. So another fun fact... Its book department started the concept of book signings. Oh, honestly, they're really creating the game here, aren't they? They are. They're really stepping it up a notch. I like it. 
So one of the things that Marshall Fields was best known for was its downtown store windows filled with animated displays. They would theme the windows, and the windows would become famous for their ingenuity and beauty, and visiting the displays became a Christmas tradition. Oh, I like that. I still love looking at window displays in the wintertime. Also, Selfridge, which is a gentleman who worked at Marshall Fields, came up with the slogans that you'll recognize like, the customer's always right, and only blank number of shopping days until Christmas. Wow, those are core statements in our society today. Except I don't believe the customer's always right, but it is protocol. I would agree with you. Customers are mean and rude sometimes. As a person who worked retail, customers around the holiday come in only two styles. They're either delightful or terrible. There's no middle. You worked at a department store. I always forget that. I did work at a department store. I got a lot of life lessons from that job. Oh my gosh. I completely forgot about that. Okay, let's move on to Harry Gordon Selfridge, who is the Selfridge that I spoke of. So he worked at Marshall Fields, and then he thought, I'm going to strike out on my own? He did, in London. Oh, dang, he really went far. Established Selfridges in London in 1909 on Oxford Street. That's very official. The company's innovative marketing promoted a radical notion of shopping for pleasure rather than necessity, and its techniques were adopted by modern department stores the world over. The store was extensively promoted through paid advertising. The shop floors were structured so that goods could be made more accessible to customers. There were elegant restaurants with modest prices, a library, a reading room, writing room, special reception rooms for French, German, and American customers, a first aid room, a silence room that had soft lights and deep, chairs. So all these things were intended to keep you in the store as long as possible. So he's the reason that I want to buy all the things today. Exactly. His staff members were taught to be on hand to assist customers, but not be too aggressive and to help sell merchandise. I support it. I love that. I will also say that we were recently in a department store and they had a live pianist and it was so calming and so lovely. And I was like, I miss this kind of ambiance i was i would be all about like hanging out at a department store all day with that kind of vibe oh i know it was really nice let's move on to one that most people will know macy's never heard of it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you remember though when marshall's not marshall's yeah marshall fields marshall fields turned into hudson's and then hudson's turned into macy's not like turned into but like the anchor store at our local mall was it Marshall Fields Hudson Macy's or Hudson's Marshall Field Macy's? Sure. I don't remember. But yes, I remember all of that. But now it's Macy's. Macy's was established in 1858 in New York City after Roland Macy had several failed stores in Haverhill, Massachusetts, that he started to serve the mill industry employees. So he took everything he learned from those failed stores, headed to New York, and opened Macy's. That's a bold move. Sales for the first day were $11.08. And Amy, I know how much this is in today's money. Do you want to guess? $46. No, $347.02. Well, how am I always this far off? Okay, well, I was like $46 million and it was 13 so. That's you at least got to too. million. I didn't even guess 100 So, fun fact, 
Macy's original branding emblem was a rooster, and the red star didn't come around until 1862. Wow. That's a pretty modern design given 1862 even, though. Well, I'm sure it wasn't the red star exactly like we know it today. I mean, right, but... As the business grew, Macy's expanded into neighboring buildings, opening up more and more departments. The store used publicity devices such as Santa Claus and themed exhibits and illuminated window displays to draw customers in. They had a money-back guarantee and had made-to-measure clothing for both men and women, which they assembled on site. All right, let's do one more, and then we're going to play a game. Okay. Another popular department store that I believe most people will recognize is Nordstrom's. So they didn't come onto the scene until 1901 in Seattle, Washington. The original store was operated exclusively as a shoe store, and they didn't start selling clothing until 1963, and then they became the Nordstrom that we know and love today. Wow, I did not know any of that. Also, a shoe store seems very niche compared to what they do, so that's cool. Yeah, so that's how they started. And there are so many department stores. Like I said, I had, you know, I could probably name maybe five or more off the top of my head, but then when I started getting into this, I had no idea. So let's play a game. Ready. I'm going to say the slogan and you tell me the store it goes to. Oof. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. And some stores had multiple slogans over the years. I just picked ones that I recognized. Okay. First one, come see the softer side of... Sears? Yes. Ding, ding. Oh, I was very not confident in that. Okay. Next one. Want it? Exclamation point. Need it. Oh, not the name of a store. <laughs> Want it? Macy's? No, Saks Fifth Avenue. Oh, you recognize that? No, but I wanted to include it. Oh, so. okay. Did you want it? I wanted it. <laughs> All right, next one. Fashion's premier designers plus beauty's best brands. Think bougie. Mm, Neiman Marcus. Yes, ding ding. The magic of Macy's. Yes, ding ding. This is going to be a hard one. The signature of American style. Marshall Fields. No, Lord and Taylor. Oh, I forgot about Lord. I would have never gotten there. I know, right? All Lord and like, Taylor, it, isn't that where you got your prom dress? No, that was Dillard's. No, no Lord Dillard's and Taylor. Dillard's is where we go in Florida. Lord's and, Lord and Taylor's where I got my prom dress, yeah. Okay. Like no other store in the world. Bloomingdale's. Yes. Oh, God. How'd you get that? Because Bloomingdale's claims to be like no other store in the world. Oh, okay. Okay. The style of your life. It's one you've already mentioned. Marshall Fields. No, Dillard's. Oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I wouldn't have got there. All right. Two more. Reinvent yourself. Yonkers? No, Nordstrom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Last one. Everyday matters. <laughs> it's at a mall near us. Or it used to be, at least. I guess Sears? I still there. No. JCPenney. JC. Oh. I don't feel... I feel like I should have done better at this, but also now I realize how few department stores I go to anymore. I know. It's sad. I, let's bring back department stores. I mean, I know they're still around, but let's all start going. I like physical shopping, though. Like, I still... like when, I like to go try things on. I like to touch and feel things because you just don't know until you're there. So maybe I will embrace department stores again. Agreed. I still like shopping in person. I love a good mall trip. 
I just like a wander. Like a solid wander is great. Yeah, I just want to walk around and look at things. Get a vibe. One last thing that I thought it'd be interesting to talk about is how department stores are faring post-COVID. Oh, yeah, that's good. Not well. Actually, it was better than I was expecting. Many department stores went into bankruptcy or closed down stores. I think one of the stats I read was Nordstrom closed like 16 locations permanently, something like that. But in the summer of 2021, mid-range department stores like Macy, Dillard's, JCPenney were nearing and sometimes exceeding pre-pandemic levels. Probably because people are so excited to get out. I know. The, um, how do you say, is it Omicron? Omicron? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever the other wave of COVID was in January 2022 caused some setbacks, but overall foot traffic is continuing to improve. That's good. Luxury department stores like Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue are thriving. Foot traffic is lower than in 2019, but year-over-year visits are higher in 2022. Wow. I do wonder if that, like, being cooped up led to a little bit more of wanting to get back out and see things. So that's good. Oh, I'm sure. All right, Amy. Well, I'm going to leave department stores there. We could have gone on and on. I could have gone over a lot more of them. I don't necessarily think that I'll do a part two, but if I find any other interesting facts, maybe I'll add them to the 100th hour. So do with that what you will. Thanks for letting us talk at you. If you have any comments, corrections, suggestions, or fun facts, please email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell out all the words. It's also our Facebook, Instagram, and website. You can find us there. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 